everyone. This is Ron Tyson, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode of Mornings with Ron. I appreciate all the feedback that you've been giving about our episodes. Many of you are joining us from all different podcast sites. We're now available on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most podcast hosting sites. So however you're listening, we're glad to have you here. As I was thinking about this week's theme, I was focusing on last week when we were talking about how important it is to take care of others. And I was thinking about just how important it is to take care of ourselves as well. If we're not in a good, healthy mind ourselves, it certainly makes it that much more difficult to be able to take care of those people who we care about and love. So the theme of this week's message is to ensure that we're taking care of ourselves. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep because you just can't shut your brain off? I seem to do this almost every night. And no matter how hard you try, every thought about everything that's going on in your life comes into your mind and you can't stop the flow of information. And a lot of times I lay there tossing and turning and before I know it, hours have gone by and it's time for the alarm to go off and get up and go to work. That's happened to me the last couple of nights and I begin to think of why this may be happening. As we go throughout our day, we're bombarded by information. At work, it comes from all angles. We have our computers, phones, meetings, memos, messages, and even general conversation that we're having with people. And along with that, we have all of our personal issues finding their way into whatever extra minute we may squeeze in during the day. And it doesn't even stop there because at the end of the day, when it's all over, new avenues of information start to flow. We listen to the news or the radio on the drive home and we get bombarded with even more information. And then we get home and we turn on the TV and the news stories and the political ads and the regular advertisements start to invade our thoughts. Then our loved ones get home and we hear all about what's going on with their day while we tell them all about ours. We pick up the newspaper that we may not have gotten into in the morning or check our personal or work email and the information just keeps on coming. You know, when you consider all of that, it's no wonder why we can't seem to make it through the night. What I haven't quite figured out at this point, though, is how to shut it all off. How do you just stop and do nothing? Even with the me time I talk about all the time, it involves some activity and rarely involves completely shutting down. I was home recently painting my parents' living room, and I couldn't even stop and take a break in the middle of all the painting that I was doing. I kept going until it was all finished, and it didn't matter how late it got. And it's as if there is some gene in us that keeps the drive going. Unfortunately, sometimes it happens until we collapse. I come by it honest. My grandmother and my uncle were exactly the same way. They would go until they were forced to quit, and most of the time that involved manual labor. Now that society has added all the technology we have today, it's become practically impossible to unplug at a time when we need to unplug most. I mean, we know the news is never good, yet we watch it. We know we need to stay away from work after hours, but we still sign on to see if there are messages to be answered. We know we need to take some time for ourselves, yet we still live on our phones, texting, talking, and, of course, searching. I'd venture to say that many of us experience these same issues, and the answer may be just to unplug. Put down the phone, step away from the television, sit on the front porch, hang out by the water, or maybe even go for a swim. I know it's easier said than done, but something beneficial for our health that we all need to think about. If you have any secrets, share them with us. In this world that never stops, we could all use a little encouragement for some much needed downtime.
For this next message, I was thinking about happiness and how it means so many things to so many different people and how sometimes we even have a hard time trying to figure out exactly what happiness means to ourselves. The dictionary will tell you that happiness is defined as the state of being happy. Well, that's a big help. I mean, generally, it's just a mental or an emotional state of well-being that's characterized by pleasant emotions. So, so much for the textbook definitions, but when you get right down to it, what is it really? And many people go through their lives trying to capture a perpetual state of happiness. You often hear, all I want is to be happy, followed by an expectation that happiness is supposed to rain down upon us 24 hours a day. That expectation in itself could be the very reason that they never achieve even a brief state of happiness. People have placed so much pressure on themselves in their fight to achieve happiness that the pressure sometimes prevents the very thing that they're searching for. The reality is that 24-hour happiness isn't realistic when we have to deal with what life throws out to us every day. However, I believe the more we find things that put us in those states of well-being that cause those pleasant emotions, the more we can move the unpleasant emotions to the back seat. Think about it. Sometimes it's as simple as sitting down and making a list of all the things that truly make you happy and then focusing on doing much more of those things. And once you've filled your life with happy, pleasant things, there isn't as much room for unhappiness to come in. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But putting it into play in real life takes work. If you ask me what makes me happy in my life, I could easily rattle off my list to you. I'm happiest when I'm with my family, savoring every moment of life with them. I'm happiest when I'm trying a new restaurant with friends and sitting around the table having a good stimulating conversation. I'm happiest when I'm traveling around the world learning about new cultures and new history. I'm happiest when I'm sitting at a table playing mahjong with friends and enjoying all the camaraderie that comes with that. I'm happiest when I'm taking care of and watering my plants around the pool and watching all the new sprouts coming up in the spring. And I'm happiest when I'm prepping cards for delivery to senior communities that I know are going to result in many, many smiles. And the list goes on. Focusing on what makes us happy no matter what it is, and less on what doesn't, automatically makes us happier people. It's often not about what we want, but taking the time to enjoy what we already have. Today, I hope you make your list and find the things that rise to the top. Do them more and put yourself on that journey to a happier you. There's always room for more happiness, and it's often contagious, an extra side benefit that we can all use. This next message came about as a result of a health scare that I had several years ago. When I was looking on the internet, I found this quote from the Life Coach School that said, listening to your body and honoring its signals is one of the true forms of self-love. Have you ever had that moment when your body and soul are trying to tell you something and you just can't quite figure out what it is? There's something that you're supposed to know, yet you're either just too busy trying to get on with your day in life that you don't take time to stop and listen. Finally, when you do figure out what it was, you wish you had because it would have been better to know sooner. I want to share with you a personal story that reminds us all of the importance of listening to our body and soul when it's trying to speak to us. About nine years ago, I woke up one morning with a very, very weird feeling. And this particular morning, I sat up in bed, and all of a sudden, a voice inside of me told me that I needed to schedule an endoscopy. That's a procedure for where they go down your throat and take a look at you from the inside. I'd been on acid reflux medicine for many years and had an endoscopy done back when they put me on the medicine. 
but that was six or seven years prior. Doctor had never told me I was supposed to have them periodically to check things out because I'd been on the medication for so long. However, this particular morning, my inside doctor was speaking loud and clear. And for once, I listened. I promptly found a gastroenterologist and made an appointment. And within a week, I was scheduled for an endoscopy. When I went for the endoscopy, I really expected it to be routine. I was young, well, younger in my 40s, healthy. I was feeling fine and absolutely no symptoms. And when I sat down with the doctor post the procedure, I was floored by what he told me. He spouted out a bunch of words I couldn't understand and recommended that I see a specialist within the week, which I did. To make a long story very short, I discovered that I had a gastrointestinal stromal tumor, which was very rare at the junction of my esophagus and stomach. I had never even heard of these tumors, and I went to work doing my research. I bet you know what I'm going to say next. Anyone who has had anything will tell you that researching what you have on the Internet is rarely a good experience. I learned that there wasn't a lot known about these types of tumors because they were so rare and that catching them early was key and that they almost always turned to cancer. Fortunately for me, I had a great set of doctors. I underwent surgery where they removed the tumor in a piece of my stomach where the tumor was located and I waited patiently for the lab results to come back. And finally, the news came that we had caught it in time. It was benign and they were able to remove it with great margins. And today, other than having an endoscopy every five years, so far, no return of the tumor or any new ones. You know, as I think back, I learned a lesson that day to always listen to my body and soul. It often speaks to us and lets us know that it needs attention. It's incredibly important that we take the time to stop, listen, and devote the time and energy to understand what our body and soul are trying to tell us. I listened that morning, and because I did, I'm still here doing the work that I was supposed to do in this lifetime. So the next time your body and soul are trying to send you a message, whatever it may be, please listen. If we don't take care of ourselves first, it makes it impossible to take care of others. And when we believe in our own importance and remember that we have a purpose for being here, even if we haven't discovered it yet, in time we will. We just need to listen. This message came about when I was thinking about how much we want something or desire something in life. But when we do, are we really, really willing to be all in to see it come to pass or see it come to fruition? Think about how many times in our lives that we've really, really wanted something, yet we've never seen it come to pass. And then rather than willing it, we spend most of our time killing it even before it happens. It's amazing how the universe listens to us. When we put the slightest bit of negativity out there, it somehow overpowers our intended desire and that which we wanted never seems to happen. Let me explain. It's my belief that for something to truly come to fruition, we have to be all in. We have to see it happening and believe with all of our might that there's nothing that is going to get in the way of seeing our desire come true. It is only when we can see the desire in reality that we put in the work and effort necessary for the wanted outcome to materialize. Let's say, for instance, that you need a new car. You can sit back and tell yourself that you want that car and wait for the universe to deliver it to you. Alternatively, you tell yourself that it's never going to happen. No one will give it to you. You're never going to have the money to buy it anyway. You've killed the possibility of getting that car even before it has a chance to potentially become a reality. Now let's say that you're all in. You know that you really need a car. You want it so bad that you give up your daily lattes and start putting extra money away in hopes that the car will become yours. 
You are so motivated and dedicated that before you know it, that shiny car is sitting in your driveway. You see, to truly achieve what we want in life, we have to be all in. We have to will it to happen, and we have to put in the work and dedication necessary to see it through. Mediocre commitment brings about mediocre results. However, true commitment brings about that which we truly desire. If we let our hearts speak to us, we'll know if what we are seeking is worth the effort. And the reality is, if true commitment was never there, then it was never meant to be in the first place. This message came about after I read a great quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he said, the only person you are destined to become is the person that you decide to be. You know, we're born with a clean slate with the possibility to become anything that we want to be. And along the path of life, we try, succeed, and fail until we become the person that we are destined to be. However, I don't believe that destiny is preordained. While there are aspects of our life that are predetermined, our parents, for example, the person that we ultimately become is the person that we decide to be. There are often people who believe that they have been dealt a bad hand in life. The world is out to get them. They got all the bad cards and the world just has not been fair. And usually their predicament and situation is everyone else's fault. Then on the flip side, you see people who have been dealt every adversity that could possibly come their way, and somehow they find the way to persevere and succeed. They take control of the situation and decide their own destiny. But what is it that makes the two so different? People who have come from bad situations have gone on to be great. No matter what was thrown at them, they find a way to deal and move on, often achieving amazing things. The people who have found this ability all seem to have the same magic ingredient. They believed in themselves to put in the work necessary to become the person they decided to be and therefore created the path for their own destiny. They did not let life determine that path for them. I knew all through high school that my path was to graduate and go to college. That's what I was supposed to do. So I took life's lead and went off to my first year of college. And despite graduating in the top group of my class in high school, I failed miserably my first year of college and didn't go back. Suddenly I was faced with the big question of what was I going to do next? I decided to give the military a try and did four years in the Air Force and that wasn't the answer either. It was only when I took my life in my own hands that I finally was in control of my own destiny and went on to finish college and my MBA, not because I was supposed to, but because I wanted to. That set the stage for the road that my life was supposed to take. My hope for you is that at this point you have found the destiny that you have created for yourself. If not, it's never too late to change to the destiny you desire rather than that which was expected of you. As Emerson said, the only person you are destined to become is the person that you decide to be. I want to thank you for joining this week's podcast. And as always, I certainly appreciate you going on this journey with me. Look for our next podcast to be released next weekend. And as you go out into this big, beautiful world of ours, always remember to be the reason that someone smiles. Oh,